Welcome to Grace. We come into God's presence wherever we are. God loves you. God is fighting for you. God is with you. Let us pause, take a deep breath, seek the Lord. God is here right now. from the Gospel of John, beginning with the 19th verse. In this passage, Jesus is in a deep conversation with a woman at the well in Samaria. 
Here's just a portion of their conversation. The woman said, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you and your people say that it is necessary to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when people will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. But the time is coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. God looks for those who worship him this way. God is spirit, and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and truth. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I have been struggling to identify what you need most of all to hear from your pastors and what we all need to hear from God. Above all, we need good news. We don't need false hopes or just short answers. We need good news. And the good news is this, that God so loves the world that he came himself in Jesus and gave his life so that all who have faith will not perish, but will have life that lasts forever. For God did not come to condemn the world, but to redeem the world through Jesus. This is the good news. Now, I won't say that everything, but I will say that much of what we value in our society has been put on hold. Our work, what we do, education, graduation, sports, our investments, relationships, all of these things have, have been in one way or another been put on hold. Now, there are all those people who are still working. Every, we think of all of those that are in, in healthcare and that are providing emergency services and all those that work in the hospitals. And these are our heroes today. And, and well, they deserve everything that we can give them. They deserve all of the right protective gear in order to minimize the risks that they take as they work with various patients. And, and they deserve all the support that we can give them now. And they definitely will deserve all the support that we can give them after this, this crisis is over. Now, there are many of you who are considered in the essential category that are involved maybe one place or another in, the, in, in food production and uh, providing other essential items and services that we need in order to stay alive, in order that our communities can, can, can continue to exist. And I know that some of you are, are having some relationship with the public and, and are taking risks and that that you may be reluctant to do so, which I, is completely understandable. But you feel that pressure to continue to work in order to provide what services and supplies that you're making available. But also you feel that pressure to continue to get a paycheck. And 
to be able to provide for your family and to pay the bills and to continue to receive health benefits and all the things that go along with, with employment. And then there's all of us non-essentials. It's been a hard pill to swallow to accept that church has fallen under the category of non-essential. Well, as one of your pastors, I have to say, this is not necessarily true, that we are essential. That we, in fact, we're, we're more essential than ever. But if you look at it from a government side and from a public health side, it's just a bad idea for large groups of people to come together in the same space and breathe the same air. That's just, that's just a bad idea. In fact, it's dangerous. We, we can end up putting the people we really care about at risk as well as ourselves. But that does not make the church non-essential. We just have to find new ways of being the church. Now, this means more than just putting our service online. You all are teaching us of important ways for the, for the church to connect and to be the church. And over the last few weeks, I've, I've, I've had several phone calls with a number of you and, and have heard about all the beautiful things that you are doing to connect with your neighbors and friends and, and, and with others at the church. And just to be able to be there for each other and care for each other, even if it's it's just talking on the phone or whatever it is that you are finding ways to to reach out and to be there for each other. And I really believe that God is 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 using this time for us to continue to learn how to be the church. You are essential. You are being the church. God is teaching us now how to be the church, but I think God is also going to continue to teach us when we get past this crisis, past this time of dealing with the coronavirus, and he's going to show us how to continue to be the church. Now I want to share with you two important perspectives that shed light on what it means to be the church now. One is from the entertainment world, and then the second is a, an important insight from Scripture. The, the perspective that comes from the entertainment world is from a, a TV show, Friday Night Lights. And Jason Cadams, who is the executive producer and writer for this, for this television show, was, was given a challenge to write an episode uh, for uh, his show, the football team and all the relationships that are involved there. He was challenged to write an episode with what if, and this is completely fictional, but what if COVID-19 were to interrupt the football season? And so the part that I'm going to share with you comes from Coach Taylor. As he meets for the very last time with, with his football team in the locker room, and they're preparing to, to be able to shelter in place and to just to go home and stay apart from each other. And so this is what Coach Taylor shares with the team. 
There's a reason we got a football team, and that's not just to win games. It's so in difficult times, we have each other. Well, this is about as difficult of a time as any of us could imagine. I want you to use each other, to stay in touch as a community. Be there for each other on your, on your phones, on Twitter, on FaceTime, on whatever you use. And you all got my number. Call me. Now, I know I usually tell you knuckleheads not to call me on the cell phone unless it's an emergency. But right now, everything is an emergency. You're feeling a little sick? Call me. You're feeling a little down? Call me. Is that understood? Now, we may not be out on the field together, but we are all in this together. Together, we're going to stay strong. We are going to stay united. We are going to stay healthy. And anyone who thinks that we're not going to beat this, they don't know this town. They don't know this nation. They don't know this team. I'll miss you all. Tell your families that Tammy and I are thinking of them. Tell them that you are all in our prayers. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Well, that's his speech. And it's that attitude, that that conduct that he was proposing for the team, that way of being in relationship with each other that gives us a model for the church, to be the church. Now, here's the second perspective, the heart of my message that comes from the scriptures from John chapter 4, beginning with the 13th verse. Jesus is in deep conversation with the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in Samaritan territory. And this is a really unusual circumstances that brings a Jewish man and a Samaritan together for a conversation. Because for one thing, Jewish men just did not relate to, to women out in public except for their wives or except for someone they were related to. It just wasn't allowed. Now, secondly, Jesus is talking with this woman in, in this public place. And, and it's, she's a Samaritan and, and he's a, a Jew. And Jews just did not talk to Samaritans. They, there was this, this dislike and distrust and disdain for each other where they just did not communicate with one another. And in fact, the Jews thought of the Samaritans as unclean and the Samaritans thought of the Jews as un, unclean. Thirdly, one of the things that was so unusual is that this man and this woman are having this deep conversation about faith. Now, 
the normal circumstances, men communicated with men about matters of faith and women communicated with other women and instructed their children in matters of faith. But the two together, well, see, Jesus just blurred the lines between gender and race and religion. And it was where this Samaritan woman and Jesus had this great conversation and Jesus had all this positive regard and respect for her. And she had all this positive regard and respect for him. Now, Jesus says to her, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. And living water was a symbol for the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit that washes away sin, that, that fills a yearning inside of us for God. And the Holy Spirit just wells up with, with abundance and it overflows. And the Holy Spirit never runs out. It never runs dry. So at first, the Samaritan woman, as she hears Jesus describing this, this water, this living water, she sort of takes it literally. She, she says, sure, I, I would love to not have to come to this well and get water. But then she takes on and understands this deeper meaning that Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And so she, she asks, she says, yes, I would like to receive the living water. And then she brings up a ra rather sensitive issue that is between the Jews and the Samaritans. She says, our people worship God here at Mount Gerizim. And we believe this is the holy place where, where God is located, where, where God is to be found and God is to be worshipped. But you Jews believe it's in Jerusalem. So which one is right? She's very bold in, in presenting this to Jesus. It's at the heart of the difference between the Samaritans and the Jews. And Jesus responds to her concern. He says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus was saying that the place we worship God does not matter. And this has special relevance for us today. Because Jesus invites us to worship God in spirit and truth. Worship God anywhere. Now, Grace Church is a lovely place to worship God. But so is your home. So is your favorite chair. So is the back porch or the backyard or out on a walk or on a run. Or dare I say out on the golf course. Or at the supper table. That place that you choose becomes the holy of holies. That becomes the place where God meets you and you can worship God. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. 
If you are one person right now where you are, let me assure you that you are connected with many others at Grace Church who are all worshiping together today. The Holy Spirit transcends our location and our separation from one another so that we can worship God in spirit and truth. Hear this. Still, the worshiping body of Grace Church is meaning today. And we are the body of Christ. Now, we look forward to the day when we can all be back in church again and we can see each other face to face. But even greater than our reunion in the here and now is what will happen one day when the kingdom of God is fulfilled and the, that great reunion takes place. When we will all be gathered around God's heavenly banquet table and we will see all of our loved ones and we will see one another. And the distance that separates us from God now in this life is overcome and we will see God face to face. And what we will see in God's eyes is not judgment and condemnation, but love and forgiveness and welcome. And what we will feel in God's touch is healing and restoration and peace at last. Let us trust in this good news. In it, God will make us brave. God will make us strong. And God will bring us home. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord God, though we are apart, we are brought together this day as we worship you. We remember those who mourn, the family of Kathy Bike, daughter of Greg Bodine's close first cousin, who passed away from leukemia on April 20th. We lift up her widowed mother, Bonnie Dorman, and all of her children. We also remember the family of Rod Armstrong, cousin of the Sigwalts, who passed away on April 23rd after a battle with cancer. We lift up his wife of 41 years, Clara, and his children and grandchildren. May they find comfort in your presence. May the light of hope found in the resurrection promise strengthen them for the days ahead. And in these days, when we cannot gather as we would to say goodbye for now, may they feel the warmth and love of those who care for them, surrounding them and lifting, lifting them up, we pray. Lord God, we pray for all who are hurting and in need, for those with physical pain, with emotional stress, with financial distress, and all those who anxiously live with uncertainty. Guide them, Lord, we pray that they may find the resources they need. And Lord God, raise us up to provide as we can so that we may meet our brothers and sisters at their point of need. O oh Lord, we give thanks for all who serve and give of themselves, for the great and small joys that we find in these days. O oh Lord, open our eyes to your blessings. We give you thanks for the many places we have gathered to worship you in the past, for the synagogues and the temple that Jesus worshipped you, knowing that you could not be contained within those walls. We give thanks for the mountain where the Samaritans gathered to worship you, knowing that you could not be bound to one location. And we give you thanks for our church buildings that we miss gathering in, but knowing that worship cannot be extinguished when the doors must be closed for safety. For we know that we worship you in spirit and in truth. So though we are scattered, as we gather in our homes, we know that we are one in Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.